Good day, dear listeners. Steve Preda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And today I have with me Megan Nivens-Tanner, the founder and CEO of Flourish, an agency helping businesses thrive through strategic marketing and public relations solutions. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be chatting with you this morning. Yeah, great to have you. And I'm really curious about why someone starts a marketing PR agency. Is this Do you have to have a certain personality for it? (laughs) And is it really an entrepreneurial thing to do that? So what is your story? How did you get here? Yeah, so I think you have to have a little bit of insanity coupled with the ability to just deal with the crazy all the time in order to think that this is a good path. No, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. This is, I feel so lucky every single day because I get to do something that I absolutely love to do. I don't look at this as work. I look at this as just things that really sort of fill my cup, so to speak. And I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, maybe I may be wrong in this, but this was sort of an accidental journey that really took me down this path. You know, I never had the intention of starting a business and saying, this is what I wanted to do. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, frankly, the idea of entrepreneurship was a very, unattractive one to me initially, if I'm being honest. But the way that life happens sometimes, you can't always be prepared for that. And you have to kind of be okay with some of the unexpected things that come your way. So I worked in the corporate world for a very long time, 18 years or so, doing marketing and public relations and um, advertising communications and worked in nonprofit and um, B2B, B2C, so on and so forth. And I was actually part of a, a layoff at a, at a company. I was part of their third layoff that they did in the three years that I was there. So I was sort of left figuring out what I wanted to do with my career. And it was my 11-year-old daughter at the time who sort of saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And she's like, kids are so naive. She's like, why don't you just start your own business? Like, who cares? Just do your thing, you know? Yeah, big deal. So I was like, yeah. So, but she really got me thinking when I really started doing a little bit of research on it. And I was fortunate enough to get pulled into helping a, a former business partner of mine with a business idea that she had. She just needed help kind of getting it off the ground. And I was like, well, I'm not working right now. I've got a little bit of time on my side. So let me give it a shot. And I sort of got bit by the bug of really creating something from scratch, seeing it come to fruition and being responsible for that you know, that journey from start to finish. That was something that in my former career, I I had oversight in and I had the ability to take part in, but it was really more of this team environment and it wasn't my mission and that you were kind of working under different parameters that really weren't yours. And and sometimes maybe some that you didn't necessarily agree with. I loved that creative process of things. And so when she sort of put that bug in my ear about starting a business, I thought, well, what the heck, sort of give it a shot and see what happens. I've got nothing to lose, right? So, I mean, you have have so much to lose. Of course you do. That's me being naive looking back at the time. But I quickly realized that I needed to surround myself with people who were way smarter than me in certain areas and really rally with a team that bought into my vision and really believed in wanting to do some of the things that I did that I wanted to do. And, you know, within the next few years, we just exploded. And we started in 2018, just myself and our first hire was in 2019. And we faced the pandemic, which was extremely challenging for us, as it was for most businesses. A lot of small businesses didn't make it out of that. And fortunately, we thrived through the pandemic. Ironically, I almost feel guilty saying that out loud, but we were really able to grow because of how we reacted to the scenario that we were put in. So 
yeah, that was a couple of years ago and we've got 10 people on in staff and um, we're growing like crazy and have moved offices multiple times. So sort of this, this devastating, you know, thing was sort of turned around into a phenomenal silver lining, if you will, for lack of a better word, better word, but um, it's been such an amazing journey. So that's awesome. Well, you know, to be able to own it and to be able to uh, direct it and drive it, I think it's a great uh, bonus of being an entrepreneur. And I think one of the secrets that people don't realize is that when you put yourself in the position where you must do it, you actually find the resources, the internal resources to be able to do it. And I think a lot of people are not able to be an entrepreneur because they they just are afraid to put themselves out there, get out of their comfort zone and put themselves out there where where they would actually mobilize their resources, which which is in ourselves. And we are only using a fraction of our resources to do it. I completely agree. Yeah, you know, that that's a really interesting point that you mentioned, though, too, because I think, you know, my my former business partner who I was working with just a little bit, that I love her to death, but that was the downfall. She couldn't make those hard decisions and she couldn't take the risk that she needed to in order to move forward at the right pace. And yeah, it's scary. There's so many unknowns, but you just have to jump. And I think if you do so with a little bit of thought invested in it, obviously, you know, you have resources around you that can help you help catch you, but you're going to fail. And that failure is so important, but you'll never be able to grow if you don't take those leaps. So I agree. I mean, I think a lot of people don't take those risks and uh, lean on the resources that we have at our disposal and was fortunate enough to discover those, which I think really contributed to the success and where we are today. So talking about resources and discoveries, I really like your framework, which Maybe you can call it the Flourish Communication Framework yeah. uh, that we discussed in the pre-call. So would you share that with our listeners? Yeah. So Flourish obviously is who we are and what we do. And our business model is really built around helping businesses thrive. And we're not just a marketing company that just is a very reactive marketing company, or we just do Facebook, or we just do this. We're much more of a strategic growth partner. And throughout that process, it's really focused on, there's been there's been a light really, you know, uh, that has shined on the importance of things, ensuring that they are done with intention, they have a purposeful or meaningful impact and that they are very tailored. And so everything that we do as a company, whether it's internal and promoting who flourishes as it relates to our content strategy or how we interact with our clients or how we promote ourselves through social media or through content generation, or if it's a way that we engage with our clients, um, everything sort of needs to follow that flourish framework, which again, it's done with intention. It has a purposeful meaning or impact and everything is very tailored. And there's a lot of different directions that you can take sort of those categories. I'm happy to kind of dive into a couple of those if you'd like. So it's done with intention. It has a meaning. It's tailored. So how do you discover the intention? So is this obvious, the intention, or is it something that needs to be brought out? Yeah. So I think it's definitely something that needs to be brought out. And I'll give you an example of what I mean with intention. So oftentimes, and I'm sure your audience can relate to this, but oftentimes you have individuals or companies or you know presidents of an organization who have said, and of course, I'm going to be a little bit biased to our industry right now, but it's very relevant to the discussion. So, you know, they'll say, well, I, I've worked with a marketing agency before, or I've had someone who did marketing before, and we just didn't really see the return that we were hoping for. We just, you know, we just didn't really see a lot, or it just was just okay. And, and, and what I have found is that oftentimes companies such as ours, 
um, or individuals who are in this field will go to a prospective client or approach a you know, specific project and say, well, what is it that you want to achieve? What do you want me to do? And when you ask that, people don't know what they don't know. There's a reason why they lean on an expert to help them kind of shape and determine what those potential growth opportunities are. So every time that we engage with a client, whether it's for the first time or it's for the 20th time, everything we do is very, very intentional. So for example, I don't walk into a new client meeting and say, okay, so what can we do to help increase your Facebook following, you know, or what can we do to make a greater, you know, a better video that just, you know, puts you in a different light and showcases you in a different way. That's really focusing on these granular tactics that at that level of that conversation are not necessary. We have to be much more intentional with the vision and the growth strategy and the strategic direction of really where that company is going. If you don't figure out the intentional efforts behind what it is that you're trying to achieve, where it is that you want your business to go, how you want your brand perceived within the community in front of key influencers and industries and events, so on and so forth, you're going to completely miss the mark. And when you're intentional about saying, for example, uh, you know, we're going through a, a client of ours is going through an acquisition a little bit um, later this year, and they're acquiring a small cybersecurity company. So what that's going to do is expand their capability offering, both with the business they go after towards the federal government, as well as those in the commercial sector. So the intent is not to add a line on their website that says they have a cybersecurity capability or start creating social graphics that really align with cybersecurity. The let's be a lot more intentional and think about the bigger picture. We want this company to be known for their cybersecurity services as it relates to these core areas. What does that mean? Well, we want, you know, their brand to be represented when people think about getting CMMC certified and they're wanting to be compliant when it relates to doing business with the government. They want to be well-respected, well-regarded. They want people to look at their brand and know that that brand is one that is dependable, that they are relevant, that they are up to speed on anything that they need to be up to speed on. That way there's no issues when it relates to compliance or contract or anything like that. And so the, the goal is much bigger, much more intentional, much more strategic, as opposed to it being a granular effort that we're just trying to get through and kind of check the box, so to speak. So we try to be very intentional with those types of questions. And oftentimes, Steve, when we do that and we go in and we ask these bigger open-ended questions like, okay, we're going through an acquisition later this year. We need to really establish the company as a cybersecurity expert within these core audiences, maybe even further define that down in these core geo-target markets, because we know that's where, you know, a higher propensity of our customers might lie. Then we think much bigger picture about some of the things that we can do that will gain them longer term equity in the market, as opposed to these short term quick fire responses that they get, but they're just relevant to that particular thing. So we're just very intentional about those types of questions. So it sounds like you're you're much more a brand promotion company rather than a marketing tactics company. So, you know, we really like to say that we're really more, and maybe you can help me with this, that we're really more of this sort of strategic growth partner because we often will look at and go into these meetings with, again, prospective clients being very intentional about those questions that we ask. And oftentimes what happens is we find, let's just say after we go through our strategy development, And after we go through discovery and research and our team is actually executing on managing their plan, we find that we are influencing recruitment and retention and working very closely with HR. We find that we may be working with operations and helping to 
influence process improvement within an organization. Um, we find that we're working with maybe some of their younger candidates who've recently come on board to help shift the culture. That way they're able to recruit a, you know, a greater pool of candidates that are meeting that criteria that they're looking for who are fresh out of college. So we get, we get a much bigger picture of how we can help influence the organization as a whole. Oftentimes those tactics do kind of tie back to the marketing communications, public relations realm. But often what we have found is that when we go in with a much clearer and intentional purpose, their end result is so much greater and adds so much greater value to the longevity and the impacts that we're able to make for our clients. I love that. This is really a different perspective on the whole marketing discussion. Marketing PR, you're elevating it to the strategic level and it feels much more long-term as well. I mean, obviously, uh, most of the companies I talk to, they they want immediate results. They want three more clients tomorrow. And uh, just because they want that doesn't mean that they're going to get it. And if they don't do the right steps, then they're just going to burn their time tomorrow trying to scramble and, and hustle for those three clients. And they are ruining their reputation in the marketplace because they're going to come across yeah. desperate. Uh, so yeah. I love this uh, strategic approach to it. So intention. So that's great. So you figure out what the vision behind is, what they're trying to achieve and tailor the program, but we are not that tailoring yet because that's step three. Step two is meaning. So what do you mean by meaning? Obviously everything has to be meaningful, but okay, let's say this company, this let's say the cybersecurity, they are acquiring this cybersecurity company. They work in the public sector. They want to be positioned as a cybersecurity expert through this acquisition, what is then the meaning? How does the meaning come into the picture? Yeah, so I think when we think about um, having a purposeful meaning or impact in what we're doing, it really boils down to us being very thoughtful um, and purposeful with the type of content, the type of outreach, the type of approach, the type of strategy that we are doing. The most simple way to describe that, and I'll sort of tie it back to the cybersecurity company in a bit as well, is that so many people think that because there's 12 different social media platforms, uh, you know, ish, uh, give or take, you know, that they have to be on all 12. That's not exactly the case. You want to be very purposeful with where you put your efforts. And you're only going to be very purposeful with that if you ensure that you do your due diligence up front to make sure that that's where your audience is. So you want to be, if you, if your focus is going to be on targeting business development professionals within the cybersecurity space, and you know that they spend a good majority of their time on LinkedIn versus Facebook when evaluating certain social media platforms, be very purposeful with how you use that particular platform and leverage it the best of your ability. A lot of people think that, you know, they have to stay, they have that FOMO, right? That fear of missing out of like, well, if I'm not over here, I may miss that conversation. But if I'm not over here, I may miss sharing so-and-so's post and whatever the case might be. The reality is, as a business owner, you have limited resources that you can work with. And sometimes when you try to tackle and do all of the things without meaningful purpose, um, you have a tendency to use my language, but sort of half-ass your approach on that. And that really does come across and it can have, it can hinder more than it can help with your brand because it looks like you're just trying to be part of the conversation, but you're doing it at 15%. And the quality of that content will really come across. So when we talk about being 
very purposeful and very meaningful. It's let's truly put some thought behind the types of things that we are going to do. If we're going to sponsor an event, do your due diligence to ensure it's the right audience, it's the right time, there's the right opportunities, um, you know, you've got the right message. And I think that this is, I realize as a business owner, this is much easier said than done, especially when you're big business. You're like, well, we have to be at every single trade show because if we're not, people are going to then wonder where we are. And the details may get completely lost on 30% of those trade shows just because you don't have the resources or bandwidth to do it. But if you think about it, if you put your time up front into developing a really purposeful strategy behind what those trade shows are going to look like, how you're going to execute, what that message is going to be, does it align with a product launch, a capability launch, whatever it might be, then you can scale back the amount of trade shows that you do and focus on the quality over quantity. And I think so often we lose sight of that and we lose sight of being very purposeful Instead, we lead with that FOMO component where it's like, well, we just think we have to do everything. And then you wonder why, you know, executives are disappointed when they look at a postmortem report or they look at results from a campaign and are like, well, we invested in that, but we didn't get anything out of it. It's like, yeah, well, what did the purposeful plan look like going into it? And how did you see see that through execution, you know, which is often a challenge. So So you have to create enough energy behind this point uh, of pressure so that you break through with your message and you actually uh, get to the right audience. So what I'm hearing is that, uh, so the three uh, legs of the stool is intention, meaning, and tailored. We're gonna get to tailored in a minute, but intention is really this strategic realm. What are we trying to achieve here? What's the end goal is, and how do we basically come up with this idea of communication? And then the meaning is is the tactics. So we've Mm -hmm. got the strategy, and then what are the tactical execution paths where we can get the most bang for our buck? or the most right. return on our energy and our focus. And then the next one is the tailor. So you've got the strategy, the tactics down, you've got the right platforms, you've got the right approach, then what's tailoring? What do you mean by tailoring? Yeah, I think when we think about being very purposeful too, that definitely ties into the strategy part of it. It's, I would say that's a combination of being kind of strategic and tactical. You know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on as a business flourish is really focusing on that strategy development. We spend a lot of time on strategy before we do anything. And I'll be honest with you, we've got some, we have some businesses who don't understand what that means. They're like, I don't understand. Why are you spending the first couple of weeks, you know, doing this thing? I I don't understand what that's going to look like when they see it. And then they see it come to fruition. They're like, Ooh, now I get it. Now I get it. You know, their mind is kind of blown. And I think so often we get into this mindset where we just rush to do the thing and we don't give enough thought about whether or not that thing is actually where it needs to be. So being very intentional and being very purposeful with some of those efforts is really a strategic effort with the intent for that to trickle down into tactical execution um, with success. So when we think about being very tailored to our audience, very, very tailored, let's go back to that example of the trade shows, right? I was at a company a couple of years ago, no joke, I think we probably did all in all, roughly around, you know, maybe 50 or so trade shows per year. That's a lot. That's a lot of trade shows. And those can be very small, intimate settings that are unique with distributors or OEMs or whatever it might be. But then you can have the big ones too, where you've got, you know, the, the 50 by 50 booth space, all of that. And again, the, the, the thought going into that was, well, we have to be at every single one because if we're not, we're going to miss out. And if we are there, we have this opportunity. There's a lot of what ifs 
associated with that, right? And it was literally looking at an event calendar, having a dispersed sales team pull together what those recommendations are with very little research behind it. They're just doing a Google search in their own backyard to see what's there, whether or not they're successful or not. By the way, did you look at the postmortem from the last couple of years events to see if those are in fact good ones for you to go back to? What did you actually yield on those particular events as a return, which is very hard to determine sometimes, but that should be factored into that equation. So all of those things, I think, really lend into kind of the two legs of the stool, if you will. And then thinking about being very tailored to your audience when you're at that particular trade show or you're, you're, fo- you're focused on that particular capability, what are you truly trying to say and what matters to your audience? I get blown away, and Steve, you probably get this too, but I get blown away at how many random emails or LinkedIn requests that I get from people who are like, hey, Megan, you know, my name's John and my software platform provides a robust offering of yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, great, John, that's great. Do you know anything about me or how that's going to actually help my business or what my business needs are or what my biggest pain points are? That way you can rephrase that email and say, hey, Megan, I know as a small business owner, you may be struggling with X, Y, and Z or whatever the case might be. And that's going to be hard when you're doing that generic sales outreach to really customize that. So I get it. But we have to be tailored with the type of content and the type of approach that we are taking. We've got to speak to our audience in the way that they want to be spoken to. Nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody. They want to have the flexibility and the freedom to know that they can make a decision on their own independent being. And a good rule of thumb for us, and this is not just for social media, this is as a whole, when you think about content strategy and developing content, but 80% of the content that businesses produce should not have an underlying sales mechanism associated with it. They really shouldn't. Should you have a call to action that says, hey, to learn more, check this out, to chat with someone from our team if you're interested in learning more? Sure, you can do that. But we don't want to sell, 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 sell. Instead, we have to do our due diligence upfront to understand the markets we're trying to go after, what those pain points are of those core audiences, and then create content that is very tailored to their particular needs. Again, this is one of those things based on your business model that you may not have to do Um, You may not have to focus on 10,000 people in order to get 100 good quality leads with the result of 10 closed deals. It may be that you can focus on 500, but if you're more tailored, you're more purposeful and everything is done with intention, yes, you spend a little bit of time more so up front on that research, but the end result of that quality lead and the lifetime value that that will yield is going to be much greater in the long run. Love it. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, So be strategic, intention, have the right kind of purposeful approaches. That's the tactical piece, meaning, meaningful, and then tailor it to your target audience and speak to them. Don't push your product, uh, touch them with your message and uh, really understanding what they need and and then they're going to respond. People hate to be sold, but they love to buy, right? Exactly. <laughs> on their on their own terms. On their own terms. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what about, how do you identify really the credible resources in the eyes of the specific target audience? So you talk about this idea of when you're tailoring your offering, you really want to provide credible resources. You come, come across as credible. How do you figure that out, what comes across as credible your target? So I think this boils back to being tailored and being purposeful. If you are understanding your audience up front and you are asking those open-ended, more strategic questions, you're going to you're going to be able to determine what some of those pain points are that that particular customer has. You're also going to be able to determine 
what particular pain points your audience has as well and figure out what makes the most sense to them. What, what is content that they want to see? What is credible when they're evaluating a particular vendor or supplier or partner to work with? Th- those types of questions are going to help unearth what some of those things might be. With anything else, you need to do your research. You need to figure out what makes the most sense follow trends, follow, you know, ideas around, you know, different types of content that will actually resonate with your particular audience. I think the most simple thing that I think I can respond to that is doing research, doing your due diligence. There's a million plus ways to find information about people, about sources, about topics, and being able to communicate on those from your perspective and unique differentiator is key, but you have to understand what really matters to your customers, what aligns with your business and your mission as an organization, and then being able to communicate that effectively. You know, it's so true to, uh, it's so important to ask the right questions. And what I find sometimes is when uh, an outsider comes in and starts asking questions without the baggage of being in that company and having gone through a lot of conversations and kind of uh, being in this group group thing mindset sometimes and you yeah. ask a question which maybe looks stupid on the surface but then it actually brings something out that is a really fundamental thing that has not been explored so why do you think it's difficult to ask these kind of stupid questions and why is it good to ask them i'm a huge fan of stupid questions and there is no, it's so cliche there is no stupid question the reality is is that people have to have context I mean, bottom line. And, you know, there's this great book. I can't think of it off off the top of my head, but there's this great book that I recently read and it was all about the science behind words and the origin of words, okay? And so anyways, just to simplify it in in its greatest sense, it is without context, there is so much confusion and inaccurate assumption to be made. And you and I come from very different backgrounds. Where, where are you from originally? I'm from Hungary. Okay, so you're from Hungary. I have never been to Hungary in my entire life. I am from Clearwater, Alabama. I don't know if you've ever been, or Clearwater, Florida. I don't know if you've ever been to I Clearwater, been to Florida. Clearwater, yes, okay. I have. All right. Well, we've got, you know, top 10 beaches. So I'm not really surprised there. But you and I, our backgrounds and our upbringings and our experiences and the environments that we've grown up in and our religious beliefs and our, you know, everything is so different. So the way that you may decipher a particular word or phrase is very, very different than how I would decipher that word or phrase. So we talk a lot about context. Context, context, context. That is so important. And we have to break down the barrier to just assume that because we are human and because we are all in business trying to go through this race of life, that all of us have the same exact context to every every situation. And let me tell you something. One of the biggest challenges that we see, I, I personally see as a business owner, as a wife, as a mother of three, as a friend, as a community leader, the number one issue that I see uh, as it relates to miscommunication is context because individuals don't have context as to why that comment was made when it was, why the tone of that comment came off the way that it did, how individuals use different methods of communication in a different way. The way that you text may be very different than how I text and the way that you send an email can be very different than how I send an email. I get on my team's case because they overuse exclamation points. And there are some people who are like, that drives me nuts because you're yelling at me constantly, right? And to me, I'm like, it, make, it, it, it sort of delineates from the significance that 
I want to portray when we're communicating certain recommendations. I don't want to be like, let's go build a strategy. Instead, it's we need to build your strategy, you know, and that comes across very different ways. So going back to your question about asking stupid questions, there aren't stupid questions. There are only questions that lack context. That way, everybody can be able to contribute to that discussion with the best possible outcome they can possibly have. So for me to come into a conversation with you and me feel bad to ask you a question, that way I become better suited to participate in that conversation. Shame on you for thinking anything negative about me because all I'm trying to do is ensure that I can give you the absolute best during that engagement. And if I don't have all of those tools available at my disposal and the understanding behind what maybe some of those things might be that we're trying to discuss, how am I able to give 100%? So I think that, you know, they're asking stupid questions. Sure, we can call it that. Let's just call it, let's just level set the way we're all on the same page, the way we can be able to move forward at the same optimization rate, right? Because if we're unable to do that, then we really can't all be at 100% and contribute to a successful outcome. Yeah, I hear you. I think also what happens with the stupid, so-called stupid questions is that when you have a topic where people have a common assumption around something that is not being challenged because it's just taken as gospel and someone comes in and actually asks the stupid question, i.e. challenges Like, why are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when uh, big things actually can happen because those I are totally things, agree. things that we don't know that we don't know, but we assume is where we make the big mistakes. If you are uncertain about something, at least we got to be careful around that topic and we got to do the research. But if we are sure about it and we're yeah. wrong, that's the biggest uh, danger. Yeah. So I think that, I think you bring up a really, really great point because I admire leaders who, and this was something that I had to learn at a very early age in my career with Flourish. I quickly had to check my ego at the door quickly. I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know a lot. And I'm a-okay with that. Right. I, I was very quick to realize that if I think I'm going to go through this, this journey, having all of the sacred knowledge that I hold on to and that I have to know everything, number one, I'm going to be dead in five years, right? But number two, I'm going to be a very miserable person to be around because there's no way that I can be able to master that effectively and still be the person that I needed to be to run a business. And oh, by the way, still be a mom that I needed to be and a partner that I needed to be and a friend and all of that. So I think that, you know, just ensuring that everybody's on the same page, I mean, it's just super, super important. But one of the things that we'll often do when we go through our strategy development is we have stakeholder interviews with employees, with customers, with business partners, vendors, suppliers. That way we can get a really good 360 glimpse at all things in that organization. And honestly, the very first thing we do is break down that barrier of making assumptions around the intent behind that discussion or anything that may cause somebody to sort of hold back information. Again, thinking about some of those stupid questions. The intent for us to come in is to really provide an unbiased perspective on process and say, this is great and it's been working well for you so far, but there's obviously some limitations to growth. And so we're just trying to figure out ways that we can expand upon what's already been done. So we really want you to kind of think outside the box, don't hold anything back. Another thing that we will often do as well is when we go into those conversations, we ask people to, if they have it, to remove any marketing lens from their viewpoint. Because oftentimes if people go into a conversation with us and they're like, okay, marketing, 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 right. So let me answer this question as it relates to marketing. 
don't ever do that because ever, because often what we have found is that when we just keep it open freely, we want to talk about everything and anything. We find so much opportunity that sure, it could potentially fall within the marketing umbrella, but those are absolutely things that our efforts can help influence and make a big change around. And if all we look at is through this silo, we're not going to be able to look at anything else that potentially could be indirectly or directly impacting what some of those efforts are, right? So we've got to take those blinders down and think big picture. Yeah, that reminds me, uh, probably 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I had this hi-fi system at home and my amplifier broke down and said, ah, oh, I have to get this fixed. And I, I found this guy who was fixing amplifiers and I went to him and he saw my amplifier and he said, uh, what is the problem? Is that the amplifier is not working. He says, well, I can't deal with it. I look at audio chains. I think this is how he said, I, I look at audio system, audio system. I have to see your turntable and I have to see your tuner and you have to see your, your other things. And says, oh my God, I just got my amplifiers, amplifier fixed. But maybe he was right. Maybe he wanted to get the big picture and because it was a hi-fi system, um, yeah. He wanted to diagnose what the real problem was. Okay, so that's that. fascinating. Thank you, Megan, for sharing this. So if you want big picture marketing, if you want to have contextual marketing, then uh, reach out to Megan. Where can people find you? How can they engage with, with the Flourish, your company, and yourself? Yeah. So I would say first things first, let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm a big LinkedIn person. I love spending time on LinkedIn and really having great conversations that fuel just industry discussion, honestly. So that's, I think that first things first, you can find me there personally. Megan Nivens-Tanit is what I'm under. And our company Flourish is based in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, our website is flourishconsultingservices.com. And you can find us on all the channels. We're everywhere. We've got a lot of great content that we put out going back to that intention and purposeful mindset. Our website is filled with information that is very 100% value add. We really try to give as much information away as we possibly can about this industry. Not everybody is a good fit for us as a client, but we're super passionate about what we do. So our goal is to really, use you said it earlier, really elevate the mindset and the approach around strategic marketing and take it away from that very reactive kind of effort that it once was. So we really strive to publish a lot of content around those types of topics. So we can, we can really be found anywhere. Love it. Love it. Well, definitely ch yeah. check out Flourish, Flourish's website and connect with Megan. And Megan, thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom on the show. And for those yeah. of you listening, stay tuned. We are going twice a week from now. So you don't have to wait another week to meet another exciting entrepreneur. Just check in mm -hmm. with us Monday night and Thursday night. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks.